A few weeks ago, I was lying on the floor of my office pretending to meditate with tears running down my face. I wasn't actually meditating. Really, I was just escaping the persistent feelings of overwhelm, dread, and paralysis that I'd been experiencing for days. I knew something was up. And that's when I decided to get to the bottom of this, to find out why I was so burned out. Welcome to Think About This. I'm Alexis Dean, and I am so glad you're here. For years, I've been building a community to support high-performing, high-impact, wildly generous women entrepreneurs. Yet over the past couple of months, I've had dozens of conversations with entrepreneurs who are feeling completely burned out or on the verge of burnout, just like me. It's something we're thinking about, but we're not talking about it. So many of us have been at what Brene Brown describes as surge capacity for months and months on end. And whether or not your business is succeeding, you're likely feeling the mental and emotional effects of the pandemic too. Burnout has been described as an epidemic of our times. So this season, listen in as I pull back the curtain and talk to experts who can help entrepreneurs like you and I to better understand burnout and stress cycles and improve our mental wellness so that we can continue to live our big dreams and build impactful legacies. I hope that sharing my journey will show you that you too can give yourself permission to raise your hand And if this is the case for you, to say, I'm not okay, and ask for the help you need. On this episode, we're talking about burnout and food. How, what, and when to eat when you're burned out or stressed out. If you're anything like me and eating or intentionally not eating is one of your go-to habits for dealing with stress, then this episode is for you. A few weeks ago, I was out on a walk with my friend nutritionist Irene Pace talking about my experience with burnout. She shared with me that so many of her high-performing entrepreneur and executive clients are in the same boat right now, and that most of them are using food as a coping mechanism to manage their stress. Whether they're not eating all day and then pounding back a bunt cake at midnight, or they're like me and they're quote-unquote good all day, and then they find themselves defeated by a bag of chips calling their name from the cupboard, their relationship with food is impacting their emotional state for better or for worse. I decided to invite Irene to be our guest on the show today, not because you and I don't know how to eat healthy food. I'm guessing we're both pretty good at Googling and reading, and most of us really do know what we should be eating for optimal health. I invited Irene to the show because knowing obviously isn't enough. I know that eating late night chips or chocolate almonds isn't a recipe for success, but when I find my stress building, I can be found rooting around in the pantry. Or sometimes when I'm overwhelmed, I completely avoid the kitchen and avoid eating. And these habits are two sides of the same coin, both leaving me feeling like garbage. Irene specializes in working with smart people who feel stuck with food. People who know what and how they probably should be eating, but who struggle to make food a tool for self-care and actually eat in a way that reduces their stress. This episode is not about creating the perfect meal plan, and it is definitely not about calorie counting, dieting, restricting, or deprivation, or just trying harder to eat healthy food. Instead, on this episode, you'll learn how to stop shaming and guilting yourself around food, the patterns and mindset shifts that we can take in our approach to eating, using our food cravings to our advantage, the first two P's of Irene's 3P framework, pull, pause, and permission, how to start disrupting our eating patterns, the healthy and positive question to ask yourself every time that you dig into the pantry or the fridge, three different types of hunger and how to approach them, 
and what might really be pushing you towards using food or hunger as a coping mechanism. Let's dive in. So I am here with my friend Irene Pace, and I am so excited to have you on today, Irene. Welcome. Thank you. So happy to be here with you. (laughs) Um, So Irene and I, as per usual, we're talking offline before this, and we were just diving into everything that I'm so excited to share with you today. And so I guess we should just kick it off with a little bit of an intro. So Irene, tell us who are you and what do you do and who do you serve? Okay. My name is Irene Pace and I'm a nutritionist. So professionally trained as a registered dietitian and have transitioned out of that work a little bit into a broader, um, broader type of work around, around mindset, around eating, really, if we, if we want to, um, try to capture what this is a lot of times the folks that find me have a sense of how to eat well. It's not that they don't know what to do. It's that they're sort of stuck in not doing it. So they're smart people who just feel stuck with food. And um, sometimes it's out of control eating. So this is kind of a, a way out of that out of control eating and a way to just feel like you're, um, you know, you're not running your business all day successfully and then being beat by a bag of chips at 10 o'clock at night, right? Like something <laughs> that gives you a sense of like, hey, I should be able to do this. And uh, so that's that's who I work with, getting systems in place and tools that people can use to get themselves out of the stuckness around food. Oh my gosh, this is all so relatable. And I know not just for myself, but definitely for myself as well. I can completely relate to like having such an accomplished day or, or you know, feeling like things are going really well in the business. And then I am beaten by a bag of Miss Vicky's that night. <laughs> Like how, how Miss Vicky, how have you done this to me? Um, and I know it's just so common and, you know, working with like high performing people, you see it every day and I see it and, and I know it's like what everybody wants to work through. And in the last couple of months when we've really been talking about burnout in the community, I know that this is contributing to it or this is where people are seeing, you know, some of the outcomes of their burnout or are then impacting their diet. And there's just such a high correlation. So I'm so excited to have you here to talk about how food impacts our mental health and how our mental impact help impacts our eating habits. And uh, there's just, there's so much to dive into. And the first question that you and I are talking about today is just, yeah, how do those stress cycles show up in our eating habits? And, and especially for those high performers, those entrepreneurs, burnout and stress, like where are you seeing it every day with your clients? Yeah. It's one of the things, especially over the time we're coming through in terms of the additional stress and the added pressure of people being, you know, at home a lot more where food is super accessible. And not only is it accessible, it's like we've stocked up right on all of the things (laughs) like everyone's done the Costco trip and has the cupboards full of all of their maybe most tempting foods. And they're right at your fingertips as you're working all day. So one of the ways that you know, stress can show itself or burnout can show itself is you find you act the things out in your eating. So you end up eating more, you end up eating really impulsively in a way that feels out of control. You can find yourself eating almost with a secrecy about it. Like you're kind of sneaking this stuff or, um, it can show up the other way. It can show up that you, suppress any sense of hunger and then go your entire day without eating anything until 
you know, the evening time comes and it's like, okay, dinner arrives and you have such a calorie deficit on your hands that the push to eat is really, really strong. And it throws you into a cycle of eating dinner and then eating all the things past dinner and basically like eating yourself until you drop into bed at night. So (laughs) it can show up in a bunch of different ways. Um, but stress is certainly something that our eating is at the effect of. Yeah, definitely. I mean, again, both of those patterns, the like not eating all day because you're busy and you're focused and you're on a high and maybe you're drinking coffee. (laughs) You probably see that one too. And then you get to dinner and it's like, oh my gosh, I've not eaten. And here I am just going to pound back everything in sight. (laughs) And it can feel so defeating, right? On top of all of the other challenges that you have around this time or feeling extra stressed or extra burdened. It's just like this huge sense of defeat that you tuck yourself into bed with at night. Like, why couldn't I do this? Like I was so good, quote unquote, good all day long. Why, why can't I do this when the evening time comes? And then you, you know, resolve that the next day you get up is going to be different or you just throw in the towel and say, I'm just going to eat all the things until this is over. Right. Which also doesn't feel good. Right. Cause we're a year and a half in. And if yeah. we just said we were going to eat all the things until this is over, we're looking at like, this could be another year. <laughs> we don't want to be feeling like garbage. So, I mean, I know you work a lot around and that's, that's it for me too. Like, I don't mean to be disdainful of anyone who is struggling with their eating at all. I, I personally struggle with this and I know that it's contributed to my experience with burnout and some of the stress cycles. And, um, and for me, it's just like the, the feeling. Like I know that food makes me feel a certain way Um, and I still struggle with it, you know, and I think a lot of the time, like we think, well, we know what we're supposed to do, so we don't need to see somebody because, well, I already know what I'm supposed to do. I'm just not doing it. But what do you think are the mindset challenges that prevent those of us who are smart, who are educated, who've read a lot of the stuff from actually doing it? Like what is holding us back from, from really changing those habits, even though we might know better or know different. Yeah. There's a few patterns of this that I see really commonly. And, you know, I've experienced this myself in terms of my own journey, which is part of what I talk about in, in my book that, you know, here, here's, here's something that may set you a little bit at peace or give you some compassion for yourself. Like, I am a registered diet. I was, I was trained as a registered dietitian, worked in nutrition for almost, it was probably about 18 years at the time. I really finally woke up and said, you're having some trouble with food, right? Like I knew all the things I, and not only did I know all the things I spent my day helping people fix the exact problem that I would find myself in, in the evening time. And it was like, how is this possible? How is this like the shame, the guilt, the misalignment with identity being like, I'm holding myself up as a fraud because here I'm, you know, saying all these things, helping people do all these things. And then I'm like in a car drive for 40 minutes, crushing donuts. Like they're just, you know, like piecework. And it, and it was a big, there was kind of one of those big moments where it was like, something else is going on here because if the solution were, I need to know what to eat, then I wouldn't be here. 
and neither would all of the other smart, intelligent, health-minded folks that I work with. You wouldn't be here if it was just about knowing, if it was just about finding the next right diet or the perfect meal plan or that you wouldn't be here because you can Google that stuff and find something online that is going to fit whatever it is you think you're trying to do. And, and the challenge is like, even if you were to follow that quote unquote, perfect meal plan, let's say 60% of the time or 70% of the time, you likely would be feeling better than you are right now when you're eating all the things, but you're not doing it. So what is it there? That was like, my mission was to be like, what is really going on here? Because if I'm falling into this and I know all the things, it's gotta be something else. So that's where we kind of dive into the mindsets, like what's going on. Um, And to your question about that, I think part of the challenge is just that we believe we shouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. So we kind of get swallowed up in this shame and this guilt and this expectation that really what we need to do is just try harder. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Completely. Yeah. Like just get it together already. Right. Like that's literally my inner dialogue sometimes is like, oh, let's just put away them as Vicky's. What is wrong with you? You know, these are toxic for you. Like, yes. This is not something you need to be purchasing, let alone eating. You know, even if my partner does eat them, like it's his job. Yeah. It's like, we know better. And then that whole, everything you just shared, you know, the shame, the imposter syndrome of like, people look up to us as entrepreneurs, as leaders, you know, people look to us as though we've got it together. And like, especially if we're like you in the nutrition space or in the fitness space, or people see you as like a healthy, in my case, like a healthy outdoorsy person who runs. Yeah. And there I am behind the scenes with the, <laughs> with yeah. the chips or whatever it might be. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Whatever your food thing is, right? There's yeah. all, I, everybody has something. It almost, it's not hard to be you know, like, what's your thing? And they're like, oh, like chocolate almonds or like chips or like sweet or cookies or whatever it is. There's, you know, that thing that's calling to you from the cupboards at night and you feel like you just, yeah, like it defeats you and, and it sucks. It sucks to be in that cycle. Totally. That cycle. And, um, so, you know, some of the other mindsets, if we, if we focus on that. So first there's this expectation that I shouldn't be here, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm too smart to be stuck in this food thing. And once you get past that and realize, okay, um, I need to, I need some help with this. I'm a human. And even though I'm a smart human, I still am at the mercy of the same physiology and the same pulls that every other human is. Mm -hmm. So you can use that kind of smartness of your, your, uh, um, you know, you can use that piece of knowing you're someone who can solve problems to, to allow you to get past this try harder thing. Like it's just about motivation. It's just about determination. And I just need to try harder, harder. If it were your business, you would at some point stop beating your head against the same wall and recognize that maybe I need to do something different here. Maybe there's another solution. Maybe I need to look at this from a different angle. And when folks find me, that's usually the place 
they're open to. They don't exactly know where it's going to go, but they know they're ready to not be stuck in the same cycle they've been in. Maybe it's been dieting, you know, and, and for a lot of folks, we're, we're a determined lot that can stick with something just long enough to get maybe that initial weight off or mm-hmm. kind of clamp down hard enough that you can rein it in for a really short amount of time, but you can only do that for so long. And that's the defeating part, right? So it's breaking out of that cycle, um, to look at doing it, doing it differently. And part of the mindset for that is recognizing it's okay to need help with something that's important to you. It's okay to get accountability. I mean, you and I are going through this right now with the mastermind you're hosting. And I'm like, I need to just show up on a call to move my business stuff forward because I need a group of people and a a leader to say, you know, here's what we're going to do. And it's okay. It's not a, it's not a failure, just like on the food side you know, asking for help in this stuff is not a failing in you. It's a recognition that something that matters to you could use a little boost from some outside support, right? Yeah, I love that. It's so important and having accountability and support and a professional who knows what they're talking about and understands the mindset piece. I, yeah, I'm already feeling like we need to have a whole separate conversation. (laughs) Yeah. Amazing. And I mean, as far as like the other mindsets behind it go, like I think it's easy to point and say, well, you know, people have problems with the overeating and they have the expectation that they shouldn't be here when they're, you know, visibly grabbing that bag of Miss Vicky's and, and going to town on the chips. But the flip side of that, which I'm sure you also see, is the not eating side or the really restrictive side. Or can you speak a little bit to that? Because I think there are probably folks who are listening who have just felt like a lack of control around it and and their reaction. And I've personally been there as well in the past is to not eat. And then, mm-hmm. you know, that leaves you feeling pretty equally as crappy. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And this kind of speaks to one of the elements that's behind this in terms of mindset that we see all the time, right? Is this when we go to this all or nothing kind of place, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, I'm, I'm, um, if I'm going to clamp down on this, I'm going to go hard, right? Like I'm not Mm going to eat all the things I'm, I'm going to, um, sort of there's, there's this, there's this way many of us have learned to suppress all kinds of emotions, but suppress one of them is your hunger. And sometimes it's born out of necessity because of the type of job you do. So when I've worked with a good example is lawyers that I've had as clients mm-hmm. where they are in the courtroom or the way their day rolls out, they actually can't eat, right? Like they have to get used to um get used to just suppressing that hunger feeling or ignoring it. And then that becomes a learned behavior, a muscle. Maybe it is a busy, you know, busy kind of business day or a full business day where you're going from meeting to meeting and that's what your norm is. You've gotten used to just ignoring the hunger cues when it comes up so that it almost feels easier just to wake up and not prime the hunger by eating something and just kind of go into that pattern. Um, I've also had like a client of mine who's a highly successful realtor and um, the flow of her day, the unevenness of it and the, the ups and downs Uh, And she had this really strong ability just to ignore the hunger cues. And when we dug into it, 
it, it really started during her twenties when she worked as a waitress to pay her way through university. And so she would be working double shifts, all of these hours. And again, it was a learned behavior to just suppress the hunger. And, um, and, and it was a big aha to be like, oh my gosh, that's carrying me forward. Now I believe to be successful, to get myself through things, to achieve things, I have to put hunger in its place and kind of tuck it away. And so there's a lot of ways this can show up, but it usually tracks back somewhere to some learned behavior where in that at that time and here's the thing alexis when when we break this stuff down it, it one of the fundamental beliefs i have about humans that shows up in this work is that every behavior is an attempt to solve a problem mm. even if it's not the best solution so at some point in your life you engaged in these certain type of eating behavior because it solved something for you. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times when we track back to that, it solved something for you that you did not have another tool or another way to solve at the time. Maybe it was back in childhood and your, you know, your autonomy or ability to choose or to navigate wasn't available to you. So food was one of these things that you could control. And the way you ate was influenced by um, something you needed to do. Because here's the thing about eating. When you eat, when you put food into your body, you shift your physiological state, you shift your emotional state. So using food to look after things like stress, like this feeling of overwhelm, like the, you know, the burnout emotions that go on with that, using food to shift that temporarily is a solution because it works mm -hmm. in the moment. It works to do the thing that we're asking it to do. So we eat and we say, oh, okay, that took care of that thing momentarily. Let's do that again. Okay, mm -hmm. we eat. Obviously, this is all subconscious, but we learn these behaviors where in response to this thing, food solves it in the short term. So it's an adaptive behavior. Now, where you are now in your life, chances are you have a much broader set of tools. You have we a hope. much broader, hopefully, yeah, hopefully, yeah. much broader <laughs> toolbox. You have a different uh, autonomy, different ability to navigate things. Yet you've got that so wired in from so long ago, this adaptive behavior has now become maladaptive because the costs of it are too high, right? So there's this collateral damage that happens when we suppress the emotion and use food and it's, in, you know, in place of moving through whatever's going on for us, or we suppress the hunger and then we wait to eat later in the day when the hunger is so strong that we are pushed into just feeling out of control because we're human and we have to eat and we have to survive. So it's this switch from the thing once being adaptive to now being maladaptive and beginning to see it that way gives you all kinds of, it opens, opens the door for some compassion around what's going on and saying, listen, I'm not bad or broken in some way because of this food thing. I did this at a time that I needed to, and I was 
can I even say brilliant in coming up with a solution for what I needed at the time? Now I'm also brilliant because I recognize that it's no longer working for me and I'm capable of doing something else. I think that's such an important step that like recognizing that you were, as you say, brilliant or that you found a solution, (laughs) you know, you found a way to adapt to this and give yourself, even if it was just temporary, the feeling that you are seeking. And I think that grace is something that most of us are probably missing. (laughs) So, um, You said something there that sort of triggered a, a correlation to burnout that I was wondering if it is there or not. But this, you know, ignoring our bodies, ignoring our cues, that, you know, constant like pushing away our real feelings, whether we're pushing it away with the bag of Miss, of Miss Vicky's or we're pushing it away with the, the high of having control and not eating and, you know, starving ourselves in a way or whatever it is that we're pushing that away, pushing away our real needs. Does that get us to this burnout place with food? Is that one of the ways that we find so many people right now beyond the average stress cycle feeling whether it's actually diagnosed full burnout or whether it's like they're just not functioning optimally in their stress like is that what's happening there or like what is really getting people to that point of burnout do you think as as far as the the correlation to eating habits and and food goes something that i encourage encourage folks to consider or play around with is If you tend towards eating in times of stress, then that pull you have to food. And when I say pull, you can kind of feel like in your body, it's like, I want to eat that pull to eat or the, the push to suppress it down. Right. When you have those kind of feelings that can be a signal for you that something's going on that you need to pay attention to. So, so much when it, you know, so much of our belief or, or thought around cravings and what's really promoted in, in the diet industry is that cravings are bad and we need to avoid them and we need to suppress them. And that, um, you know, I don't know how many times I've done a discovery call with clients to address if there's a fit in us working together. And I ask a question like, okay, what would success in this look like to you? Like if you and I work together and, and at the end of this, something changed, what would that look like? And so many of the times the answer will be something like, well, I won't crave sugar anymore. I won't crave Miss Vicky's mm-hmm. chips anymore. I won't whatever. And so we want to wish the cravings away. And, and what I'm inviting you to play around with and consider is that what if instead of that craving be, being something you dread, it was in fact the best onboard indicator system you have to let you know that something is going on. That it's like a call to drop you into a moment of awareness. And this is how I use cravings and pull to food for myself now. And this is part of what I teach clients. It's like, think about it like on your car dashboard light, like this is the blinky light. If you're feeling the pull to food and that pull to food is really strong, it's saying, pay attention to something in here. Sometimes it's physiological hunger. Like sometimes it's like, okay, I'm actually hungry and I need sustenance. Sometimes when stresses are really high and you're headed towards burnout or you're in burnout, sometimes it's asking you to address some other type of emotional need. You need nourishment of some sort 
maybe not in the form of actually eating something. But when we ignore the thing or shove it down, what we're doing is denying ourselves something we actually need, which furthers the panic that we feel inside about you know, not getting our needs looked after or being overwhelmed or whatever. There's a calling in us that says, I need something here. Blink, blink, blink. Like I'm hung. The food is a sign to pause and, and pay attention. So when you're thinking about, am I feeling overwhelmed? Am I burnt out? Like it, am I, am I, have I stretched myself to capacity What's going on with your eating can be a signal to let you know if the eating is out of control or you're feeling that really strong, intense pull and it, and it's just like that blinky dashboard light would be flashing all the time. That's a sign that says, okay, it's time to, it's time to look at what might be going on here. Yeah. That's an amazing analogy. And I think like, I'm personally just relating to this feel like sometimes I don't know if I'm convincing myself that I'm like really hungry and like the only thing that will satisfy that hunger. And I keep going back to Miss Vicky's poor Miss Vicky's. This is not, you know, like, <laughs> I'm not damaging their brand here, <laughs> whatever your thing is. Cause I know, as you said, people have like chocolate almonds or whatever their thing might be, or the feeling of starving yourself. Cause I know that's also a high that people look for or a thing that people look for to to feel a different way, but like I can convince myself or like, and I don't even know if I'm convincing myself. It's like subconsciously, I do feel actual hunger. And even if I try to eat something else, it's like, well, that didn't really hit the spot. And so maybe this sounds like such a basic question, but how do you really differentiate? Like, is it a matter of like just looking at your food schedule for that day or like what you ate that day? Or like, how do we dig in there and see like, Alexis, are you actually hungry? Or do you need to like talk to somebody or like spend some time journaling or something? Like, what do you, yeah. What do you tell your clients in that situation? Yeah. And this is a great question. We can kind of dive into a few little tools here to navigate, mm -hmm. navigate food. So, um, and really what you're doing when you dive into this work is like, I'd like to say you're expanding your toolbox. So first rule of thumb here is recognizing that food is a tool you've used successfully to pull yourself out of really challenging emotional situations or whatever it might be. And what we want to do when we start to embark on changing our eating is we want to deny ourselves of food, right? We want to say, okay, it's, you know, it's Monday and I am going to not eat sugar and not eat bread and not eat chocolate. And I'm going to never eat those things again. And, and this is what this looks like. So we dive into this air, this space of like deprivation, right? And and that that's what needs to happen in order for us to change this thing. So the first thing in terms of how to address this, and when you're saying like, how do I know what I need? Before yeah. you go into how you know what you need, I would invite you to give yourself permission to use food if you need to. So if you start to delve into changing things and the expectation is that, the desired outcome is I don't eat the thing, then you will find that you conveniently forget to practice the thing you're doing or you, <laughs> right? Because self-preservation says it's too big a leap for me to go from knowing nothing about this and having this big, like, you know, mysterious uh, craving thing in my life to doing it perfectly and mm -hmm. not eating all the things and whatever. So if you 
allow yourself to recognize, okay, I've used food for a long time and I use food because I'm a smart person and food works. I now recognize that what I want to do is learn to do it in other ways that maybe don't include food all the time. Mm -hmm. So what I'm going to do is give myself permission to have the food while I build those other capabilities. Okay. That sounds hard. It sounds hard. (laughs) Sounds hard. As you dive into it, it's, yeah, there's a lot of mental stuff that comes up with that, right? So Mm -hmm. if you can give yourself permission a little bit at a time and say, okay, for one week, I'm going to say, when I feel that pull to food, I'm going to practice doing something else instead. If it feels so intense and so strong and so scary that I need to use the food, I'm going to give myself permission to use the food. So it's like you create a sense of safety around yourself that says, food is an option that I am a grown, I was going to say grown ASS adult. I know we're trying not to swear, swear on here, but we're a, uh, you know, I'm a grown up and I can choose to eat whatever I want, whenever I want, you know, as much or as little as I want and giving yourself permission for that can quiet that really strong urge of the kind of like inner toddler kicks up, right. And wants to eat all the things. Mm -hmm. So you sort of quiet her with that first step of playing with what would it be like if I actually gave myself permission to eat, if I felt I needed to, what would that be like? Without guilt and shame and blame and finger pointing and You got it without guilt and shame because, Hey, I'm eating because it's a tool that I have used and it works. And I'm a smart person for doing that. And now I'm also a smart person for experimenting with trying to do it a different way as well. So once you've got that, you're kind of playing around with that permission piece, looking at the hunger side, there's a tool that you can, uh, there's a tool I can share here around that. So here's what it looks like. The first step of this and this tool, uh, the broader tool or broader framework that I use with clients is called pull pause permission. Okay. So these three P's are pull pause for permission. So the first one we've talked about a little bit, but we'll call we'll call it what it is here in the, in the system is, uh, greet the pull. So when you feel that pull to food or the pull to suppress the, the food, the eating, greet it like, Hey, you're in a relationship with food here. Imagine this craving has just showed up at your door and you're just, you're opening the door. You're greeting the thing. You don't have to be happy to see it. You don't have to welcome, welcome it in and hug it, but you're like, here you are. I'm acknowledging that it's here. Greeting the pull to food. Hello, pull. Here you are. From there, what, what, um, what you can ask yourself is what's going on for me here. So you're trying to create uh, an understanding of, of what are all of the different factors that are at play when this pull to food shows up, recognizing that you are feeling this pull to food for a legitimate reason. There's mm-hmm. actually a reason that makes sense here that you're feeling this pull. It's not because you're bad or broken or crazy or something's wrong with you. It's because you're human and something's absolutely right with you that has this pull showing up for whatever reason the way it is right now. So what, um, what normally happens in that space when we feel this craving or pull to food is we sort of default to one of two paths. So we either respond by going to eat the thing Mm -hmm. or we respond by struggling not to eat the thing. 
And this is kind of the default. It's like craving, I eat or I struggle not to eat. Craving, or I, I eat, eat something or different. <laughs> yeah, or <laughs> I try not struggle. Yeah, I'll just eat <laughs> celery. <laughs> so yeah, so I eat the barbecue chips instead of the Miss Vickies. I really right. <laughs> the road. I end up wanting to eat the Miss Vickies. Or yeah. yeah, we have all kinds of dances to that are essentially one of these two avenues. And what I invite you to do, the first step in this practice is to kind of disconnect um, the neurological pathways that have you feeling like there's only two choices, right? So we want to do a little bit of a disruption of these default pathways by creating a little space. And that space comes from this action of greeting the pull, acknowledging, hey, there's a pull going on here. Hi, I see you. Here you are. Mm -hmm. It brings you like it drops you in an instant into a moment of awareness, especially when you're feeling burnt out or you've got all of these other things spinning around you, right? Life is just happening and spinning. You get a, you get a momentary invitation to drop into awareness of what's going on for you. And you don't have to set a calendar meeting request for it. You don't have to put sticky notes up about it. You don't have to like, you're going to feel a pull to food at some point. It's a built-in tool that if you can shift how you use it, it's an invitation to, to drop into awareness or mindfulness or whatever you want to call it, a moment of paying attention. So greet the poll, accept the invitation if you choose to, to say, hey, poll, here you are. What's going on for me right now? And, and in doing that, you've just created a little disruption in that default pattern. And mm -hmm. it's that space that we can play in. If we build out that little pause where we're adding a pause and we're kind of disrupting these old ways of doing things, that's where the magic can happen. So the first, very first practice to start to shift this is to greet the pull and then carry on with whatever you were going to do before. Permission to eat, permission not to eat, like don't change anything. Success in this first part of the practice is creating that little gap that you can play in. Okay. I feel like that's hard for a lot of us all or nothing thinkers. It's like, well, I'm taking the pause. So now I must not eat it. But I could see how that could also just lead to me being like, all right, I'm going to go pound 48 celery sticks in an effort to like feel something is going to my system when I really still just want those chips. And then later just mowing down all the chips because I had decided that I had to like pause myself and, and disrupt it and go and eat celery sticks. Um, what do you do in that pause? Is there like, you know, how Mel Robbins is like the five second countdown yeah. or something like, what is the, what are we doing in the pause to actually get us to that next step, which I'm guessing is actually not just eating the chips or the celery sticks or whatever the thing is that you're trying to shove down, you know, yeah. or not shove down if you're a starver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you got all the yeah, and and we're we're condensing like uh you know uh, months of sort of work on right. this a little bit at a time in a yes. short period of time. So I'm giving you the overview of this because mm -hmm. the first practice of of you know greeting that pull and creating that little gap is really really key, um, mm -hmm. and and uh, you fast track your way through this work by digging into that, that little, that little pull. So the more energy you can put into that as a first practice mm -hmm. lets you move faster through the rest of it. If you try to jam all of these things all in, in at once, it's like reading yeah. a book and then expecting yourself to do it all tomorrow. Right. right. right so right, right. Um, the space in this 
to give yourself time to shift and change. And really like you're altering neural pathways. This is brain. This is like neurological exercises for your brain that create mm-hmm. new patterns for yourself. So that kind of stuff, it takes a little time. Even if you biohack this stuff, <laughs> it still takes a little time. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. So that pause initially, it feels super uncomfortable. And just like yeah. you said, for us doers, it's like, what the heck am I doing in this pause? Like, can you yeah. get something here, please? Is there an exercise? Should I be doing push-ups? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. What, can, how can I, what can I do here? So there's a couple oh, of yeah. things. So um, some are sort of, my, there's some mindset work and there's some physiological work that can happen mm-hmm. in this pause. So the first one we'll talk, I can share with you on the hunger side that you and I sort of started to talk about is um, a question you can ask yourself to get a little bit more information about the hunger you're feeling. And the question is this, you ready? It's super complicated. Super uh-huh. complicated. All it's, right, I've got my pen. Uh, <laughs> it's what type of hunger is this? Hmm. And I'm not going to leave you to make up all your own versions here. I'll yeah, give you please. Three okay. <laughs> There's three lanes you can go in with this. So what type of hunger is it? Mm-hmm. And your choices are stomach hunger, which is uh-huh. your physiological hunger. Like, am I actually phys- physiologically hungry? Do I need sustenance? And mm-hmm. for each of us, that hunger looks different, right? For some of us, it's kind of an empty feeling. Some of you get a grumbly stomach. It could be that you sort of feel a little drop in energy, or you might feel a temperature shift, like you feel a little cold or Mm -hmm. so there's some exploration around getting in touch again, especially if you've been on the hunger avoidance side of what does physiological, like what does stomach hunger look like for me? And is this it? I don't know. There's a little exploration there. You're going to get it wrong and it's okay. Let yourself be a baby at this feeling thing again, Mm -hmm. because it may have been a really long time since you were in touch with what the feelings around food um, are like for you. So choice one is this stomach hunger. Okay. Second choice is, is this head hunger? And head hunger is generated from a thought. So you think you need to eat for some reason. So I don't know, are there examples that come up for you as I say that when I say, okay, this is head hunger, what, what might classify as head hunger when you think you need to eat? Different from emotional. Like I'm thinking, um, I haven't been long distance training lately, but even just like before I go for a run, like if I'm going to run after work, then I'm like, mm, I should probably have a mid afternoon snack because I know I'm going to go for a run. If it's over 5k, I might want to like, think about how, what's included in that snack. And I'm going to want to make sure I have some water around the same time. And then I kind of like just being very logical about what my body will need. But even if I'm not actually feeling that hungry at the time, I feel like by the end of work, I'm going to be starving and then I'm not going to want to go running because I'm so hungry. I can't think of anything, but like just eating food. You got it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So if you, you know, if you think about the way, think about, haha, the way you just went through that, like there was (laughs) a lot of thought about it. You're not connected into your body and what your body Mm -hmm. needs. You're really driven by something that's coming from a thought or your head. One of the clues to this one is there's usually a should around it, right? Like you're Mm -hmm. like, I should eat because I'm going for a run or I should whatever. So it can be like, you look at the clock and you're like, it's noon. I should eat lunch. Right. Or oh, it's morning time, I should eat breakfast. Or it can also be, um, this is a place where we've got these kind of learned behaviors around food. So like Mm -hmm. when I go to the movies, I eat- Popcorn or- Yeah. Whatever people, yeah. (laughs) Or Miss Vicky's maybe. I haven't been there in so long. (laughs) 
I'm like, I know what? Who goes to the Grammys? Who goes to the Grammys? Um, that sounds awesome. <laughs> Or okay for Thanksgiving when I when it's Thanksgiving I eat right right yeah turkey stuffing whatever even if you normally wouldn't eat those foods but it's like oh but it's Thanksgiving I should yeah the should shows up there too Mm -hmm. and it could be a learned behavior like when I have my coffee I have a donut or a scone or when I go to this certain coffee place this is what I have or when I'm visiting with my aunt. Betty, I always eat her bunt cake or I don't know, whatever it is. There's some like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I should do this because I'm here or I should do this because it's the right time or I should do this because later I might not have food, which comes up for me more than I would like to admit, I think, because like if I know I'm going to have a busy day, it's like, well, I should have a big breakfast, even if I don't really feel like having a big breakfast. It's like, oh, but, you know, I might not be able to eat until dinner. So like, I really should do this. Yeah. And it's the best choice for me every time (laughs) you got it. And this one can be like, again, recognize that this is, this is learned, right? This is for, in some way we have come to believe that that is what is best for us. So it's an act that we believe, even if it's misguided, it's a behavior. That's an attempt to solve a problem. We believe that we're doing something for ourselves by doing this should, mm-hmm. whether that's looking after some emotional connection. Like if I don't eat aunt Betty's bunt cake, she's going to lose her crap on me, or she's right. going to think I don't love her or whatever it is. Right. Or, um, you know, uh, behavior feels familiar mm-hmm. and that's enough to have us keep doing it because as creatures of habit, we are a whole lot more comfortable in familiar, even if the familiar is bad than we are in uncertain. We certainly know what uncertain has done for us in terms of stress and, and, you know, this burnout, asking ourselves to do so many things in the face of this uncertain, uncertain sort of times. Um, so recognizing this head hunger is there because it served some purpose for us. And, and so bring along, and here's your kind of sidekicks on this is bring along some curiosity about it Mm -hmm. and compassion about it. And if you can begin to practice curiosity and compassion around this food stuff versus criticism and judgment, which is where we go first, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're a a collective sigh of like, yeah, right. (laughs) So we can ask Miss Criticism and Judgment to take a seat when she or he show up in our brain, have them take a seat. And we're bringing kind of curiosity and compassion along for the ride here to see what's going on. You can, you can begin to understand what is generated by thought. And the one you talked about, I call it pre-eating. Like we do it in so many ways. I pre eat. I'm going to pre-eat because I've got this day coming up. I'm going to pre-eat because I used to do it. I used to find myself doing it before I got on a plane, even if it was like, you know, I got in a one hour flight to New York city and I'm eating like I'm never going to see food for the next week. It's like, (laughs) it's scarcity, right? It's like, oh gosh, there's not going to be food in the airport or anywhere. I could die. <laughs> like, if there's no in-flight service, I'm going to survive 57 minutes. Like I don't know. I mean, that's, oof, they don't serve peanuts anymore. <laughs> I know. So these things, and you can make some fun of it. Like be just like, it's, it's hilarious what our brains come up with in terms of these patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, one that I had that was such a fascinating one with a client I worked with. She made the connection 
in a like kind of big aha moment that she was uh, in high performance sports as a young athlete. And at the time she went through that, the, um, the nutrition advice of the day was to carbo load, right? Like carb load big time. So she had learned through really high performance that she was very successful at that. She needed to carb load, like she needed to carb load to perform. It was ingrained in her system, you know, fast forward 25, 30 years later, she's the leader of a big successful company managing multiple people, multiple things. And she has weight as a challenge for herself and this out of control eating that she couldn't make sense of. And as we got down to it, there's, it was this huge aha that was like, I need to eat to perform. Mm. I need to eat to perform. So when yeah. the demands on me are greater, I need to eat more to perform. And it was this subconscious system, this subconscious connection that was driving her eating in a way that never really made sense to her until we looked back at and discovered like, where does this philosophy come from? It comes from, you know, and then the colliery of that is if I don't eat, I fail. Right. Mm -hmm. Like if I don't eat, I can't be successful. If I don't eat, I'm not going to perform, which of course, again, adaptive at the time she needed it maladaptive now. So we need to upgrade these mindsets around food to fit with what is going on in your life now. And that switch can be really powerful when you start to discover what these things that are driving your eating are. Whoa, Nelly, I hate to leave you in suspense, but we are pressing pause on this episode because this conversation lasted more than an hour and a half in total. We'll be diving right back into the second half next week where we'll learn the third P in Irene's framework for supporting ourselves and expanding our coping toolbox in times of stress and burnout. Today, I invite you to think about this. What tools are in your toolbox for managing stress? How might food be one of them? How might you give yourself more grace and less shame and guilt around food? And this week, when you feel the pull towards food or starving yourself, can you press pause and ask yourself, what kind of hunger is this really? Is it head hunger? Is it physiological hunger? Or is it heart hunger? I'm posting this question in my kitchen this week, not to shame myself and not so that I don't eat because that is definitely not the point of this, but I'm asking myself this question so that I can work on making the pause a part of my toolbox. I'll see you next week for the second half of this episode with Irene Pace.